Go in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. That is the biblical reason that men are to make the coffee. Hebrews. <laughs> Stick around, it'll get better. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 2 through 8. But before we get there, let me read some letters or some cards. Um, here's one from Cody and Edie. Giacomo, we love you and Kay and appreciate you both so much. And also, it says, we've got one here from Terry and Donna Freimeyer, Mark and Kay. You will never know this side of heaven, the impact you're having on so many lives. We pray every day that God will continue to bless your lives. Thank you for being there for us. It was life-changing. We could never repay you, but go out to eat on us. We love you both. All right. This is from Shirley and Tom. Pastor Mark, we are so thankful that God is touching your life so that you can touch ours. We look forward to each Sunday to come and hear what God has to say uh, through you. We pray for a miracle that you should live and not die. Praise God. Now, here's from Donnie and Dolly Shaw. Donnie and I are so thankful for God placing us in this church. Pastor Mark, you're doing a wonderful job here, and I hope for many more years. I pray for your healing every day. Kay, without you standing by his side, he is only one strong, but with you, you're both doubly strong. So, good, good one. This is from Bernard. Pastor Mark, I want to thank you and Kay for the many things you do for us. You guys mean so much to me. Thanks again, Bernard. Thanks for always being there for me. Love you both. Gail Holloman. Gail, the potato soup was awesome. I'm not good at sending cards, but we sure love you both. This is from Vicki and Nathaniel Burgess. And here's from the Gordons. Pastor Mark and Kay, thanks for all you do. Please know you're appreciated every day. We love you. And it also says the duck eggs are from Cole, their son. <laughs> I've never had a duck egg, so we'll see how that works out. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 Let's consider Jesus is the message today. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him endured the cross. The only joy that could have been there was you and me. Him knowing that we would come to faith that he was dying for the sins of the world and that so many people were going to be able to go to heaven because of what he was doing on the cross. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. And how many remembers the first time the Bible records that Jesus stood up? Anybody? Yeah. When Stephen in the book of Acts, was being stoned and rocks was pummeling the life out of him, 
he in the spirit was able to look up and to see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Jesus stood up for the very first martyr who would take, be willing to let his life be taken from him because of him loving and honoring Jesus and his name. For consider Jesus that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted yet unto blood striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's a great verse. That's a great verse. And he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all ye are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Whoa. That's strong language. God chastens who he loves. I've really been convicted, preacher. Well, thank God for that. It proves you're one of his. God, who he loves, he chastens. Uh, to this day, I firmly believe my mom loved me more than she loved the other kids. <laughs> and there are times I wanted to return her love. <laughs> but I knew better than that. And I won't go into all that with her getting the better of me time and time again until where finally I went, <laughs> oh, yeah. Those were the days. Father, takes a few words that we will speak here this morning, and I'm praying, God, that they will be a help and encouragement to every person that's here. Lord, give them ears to hear this day. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. To consider, to look at carefully, to weigh the advantages and disadvantages, to think seriously about who this Jesus is and what he done for me. I remember years ago, James Dobson saying that he was in a, a mega auditorium with over 20,000 people and the man up there speaking said, how many's got something here against the preacher? And every hand went up. <laughs> how many a church has done you wrong? And about 50% of the hands went up. And then he said, the preacher said, or the speaker said, how many of you have ever heard that Jesus done anybody wrong? And not a hand went up. And not a hand went up. Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. Even his enemies couldn't find anything wrong with him. Judas said, I have betrayed innocent blood. So we're going to consider Jesus today. The man who built the uh, Mount Rushmore, and how many have ever seen Mount Rushmore? Quite a few. The guy's name was Gutson Borglum. I think he was a Belgium that came to America, him and his family. 
Every day while that man was eating bacon and eggs, across from him was a smaller version of Mount Rushmore that he had carved. And as he was eating bacon and eggs or his cereal or his oatmeal or whatever he was having, he would consider that. He would ponder that. He would look at that. And that would be fresh in his mind to when he scaled up that mountain and they started blasting away besides that mountain. That image, that, that smaller sculpting was there in his mind to where it kept him on track to where he would be able to know exactly what Washington's face looked like. And right on down the line, Lincoln, Jefferson, and Teddy. Wasn't that right? I think that was right. Preacher, how do I look unto Jesus? Well, one of the ways you can do that is get in the Bible. And I can pinpoint that down even further. Read the red. Read what Jesus said. Not what everybody else had to say, but read what Jesus said. In America, instead of considering something and taking time to explore it, to examine it, we're not of that of that type. We want to do things right now, real quick. It's like the sign that said, antiques made while you wait. That's how America is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to put our microwave popcorn in the microwave and look at it as it's going round and round and it's finally starting to expand and, and, and the TV program is about to come on and, and, we're, and hurry up, hurry up. That's what we do here in America. But the Bible said we're to take some time and consider Jesus that endured. People said he was a friend of sinners. Thank God that he was. The Bible says that there were men that went around and said he was illegitimate. There were people that called him gluttonous. There were people that called him a wine-bibber. He considered, consider the man that endured such contradiction. He continued on. Hallelujah for that. I love that. Jesus, our Savior, the author and finisher of our faith, our example, he did not quit. I love that. How many knows there's going to be people who say things bad about you? How many knows a lot of them are going to have rocks in their head? The day after Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address, a writer from the Chicago Times was there that said, and he wrote, that speech was silly. <laughs> and it's inscribed in stone today. As a pastor... I don't see if there's a critic. I see if there's a crowd. Because I've learned down through the years, I can preach and they can be, they can be 300 people ready to listen to what I've got to say. And if I'm not careful, the devil will hone my attention on one person that's sleeping. And I'm just thinking, oh, I just, oh, oh man. Just sort of prepared and got this thing ready, and here they're just not paying it. It'd be like, ladies, it'd be like you preparing a big meal, and you've invited people over, and instead of them enjoying the meal, they're just, they're just you know, picking around, moving the peas around, and, and, and moving the, the, 
you know, they're just, you know, and everybody else is just going after the meal. That, that's not who you're concerned about. You're concerned about that one person that ain't enjoying it. And you just like to take their head and just push it into the mashed potatoes. In Christian love, of course. There's an old proverb that says, if you stop every time a dog barks, you'll never finish your journey. And I love the comment that was made about the Queen of England about 40 years ago. A man was, filed, was, was given the assignment to follow the queen around and to describe what she did and how she interacted with uh, her subjects and all of that. And what he wrote was the magnanimous things that she done throughout the two or three days that he was with her. But he said, the most interesting thing of all, I saw a dog bark at the queen and she didn't bark back. <laughs> and what I've learned, I'm not going to get into a fight with every person that wants to fight me. I'm a lover, not a fighter. And you know what? If you get into it with a skunk, ain't nobody winning that deal. <laughs> ain't nobody winning that. Ain't nobody winning that. So, what I would say, just as Jesus many times was misunderstood, I will be misunderstood. You will be misunderstood. Here's the dilemma, and I know you don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Here's the dilemma I face every time I preach. What one guy hears, another guy hears something different. And you know that to be true. You can talk to four or five people and, and think they're all getting it. And there's going to be one or two that ain't getting it. They ain't getting it. They ain't getting it. The 12-year-old boy, in, in 12 years, he had never talked. And finally, at breakfast one day, he said, I hate oatmeal. And his mom and dad were just like, oh, my word, Johnny, Johnny can talk. Oh, this is a great, Johnny, you can talk. Why, how come you've never talked before? He said, everything's been good up till now. <laughs> yeah. And something that I've considered this week is why is the church so important? And I could go down a whole litany of things of why the church is so important. But I'm going to give you one that really struck, struck home to me this week. The church is important when you're trying to win somebody else to Jesus. Because when it's so difficult to try to pull someone up, and it's just as easy or easier for them to pull you down as it is to pull, for, them to pull, for you to pull them up. But if you had three people up here, that hold, had a hold of this guy, you could pull him up easier. If you had five people, it's easier. Ten people, easier. That's why I think it's great for you to say to somebody, come and see, just like the disciples said. Come and see what's going on. And I tell you the same thing. Come and see. Tell them, come and see what's going on at Orchardville Church. Come and see. Come and see. Both of them are accurate. Go and tell and come and see. Jesus said the same thing to the, each group, to uh, the same group of people. Now, being per persistent. I'm, I'm big on this because I don't have anything else going for me. Some people get by because they got good looks or, uh, you know, they got a full head of hair and, and uh, they're suave. And, you know, I've seen all that. 
I've seen a lot of them guys fall by the wayside too. When it gets a little bit rough. So being persistent. Men, when it comes to being persistent in a marriage, if you're married to a peacemaker, count your blessings, name them one by one. If you're married to somebody that thinks they're right when you know you're right, no. The woman said, I married for better or for worse. My husband could not have done better and I could not have done worse. <laughs> and I've, I've mentioned this to, to women before. They talk about how, oh, my husband, my husband, he's got so many faults and, and he does this and he does that and he's crude and he's rude and he's he got all these faults and he's got all these faults. And I said, you ought to thank God for your husband's faults. It was those very faults that kept him from getting a better wife. <laughs> now, boy, everything I say, that's be what you'll remember. <laughs> the man told his buddy, I'm going to marry a woman who is kind, good-looking, and a great cook. And his buddy said, make up your mind, which one's it going to be? <laughs> Persistence in the Christian life. He that puts his hand to the plow and looks back, Jesus said, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. Persistence, being persistent. And this is something... Uh, it was, in a, it was in a letter that I received this past week that said, uh, Pastor Mark, I remember you preaching. You talking about uh, Paul the Apostle and all the things that, that he went through. And you can find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The man had 195 stripes on his back with a cat of nine tails. He had 117 stripes given to him with a rod upon his back. Three times he was shipwrecked. 24 hours he spent drifting in the Mediterranean Sea. He was pummeled with rocks at one time and literally left for dead. Robbers tried to kill him. Jews tried to kill him. Heathen tried to kill him. False brethren tried to kill him. He was said, I was been persecuted, but not forsaken. I have been cast down, but not destroyed. And then he says, these light Afflictions are but for a moment. They work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I love that kind of attitude in a person. I've seen this firsthand. Myself and another minister went and visited uh, Pastor Rick Stratton when he was in the hospital at one time. And he couldn't speak. And we're talking to him and and I voice, I mean, hey, Rick was a hero of mine. And he had a pencil and a paper. And he wrote down three words and then underscored them. And the three words were, these light afflictions. Wow. 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 When there are so many Christians that dilly-dally around and barely get their feet wet instead of jumping on in and, and they're hurt and discouraged all the time. 
And Paul said, these light afflictions last but for a moment, but God's eternal weight and glory lasts forever, forever. We live in a super sensitive Christian era when it's easier to harp than it is to help. One of our presidents, Silent Cal was what he was called, Calvin Coolidge. He did, usually didn't have a whole lot to say, but when he said something, it meant something. This is, listen to what he wrote. Nothing in this world will take the place of persistence. Talent won't. Education won't. Determination is all important. The phrase, press on, has solved more problems than any other. Do you have persistence? I seen John Mayberry here this morning, and I remembered, uh, and I don't know, it's been two or three years ago, it took him three tries to get to church one Sunday morning, and he made it. Do you think, and I unfortunately know the answer, that most Christians in North America, if they had to try three times to get to church, would make it? They probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. Well, it was raining. I couldn't. I really couldn't make it. You know, I thought I might sink. Probably float. You wouldn't sink. <laughs> oh, it's too cold. I can't make it. And down through the years, I've known poor people. They've got, they got five kids, and if one kid's sick, the whole clan stays home. They've all got to wipe the kid's snotty nose, I guess. And it took John Mayberry three times, but he finally made it to church. That is good old-fashioned persistence. You know why a pit bull, that their dog, their, their, the nose on that dog is, is turned up? That way it can bite and breathe at the same time. It never has to let go. And George Thomason knows about that better than anybody I know of. <laughs> uh, it's been about a year ago in one of the baptism classes. I think there was a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old in there and in a few other older ones. And I said, it's just like WWJD. And them kids just stared at me. And it dawned on me. They don't have a clue what that is. I said, you never heard of WWJD? No. What would Jesus do? No. We've never heard of that. Wow. Time marches on. Time marches on. What would Jesus do? Well, I tell you what he would do. He would endure. The Bible tells us he did exactly that. He endured. He endured what people said against him. He endured when they placed him upon a cross. He endured when they pulled his beard out. He endured when they placed the nails in his hands and his feet and they whipped him and they put the spear in his side. And all of that, he endured. And he is our example. We are to endure. How many here has ever ate a tough steak? You endured, though, and ate another one, didn't you? <laughs> right. Right. Paul took courage. I love that. I love that. It's just like it was out there. He reached out there and he grabbed it. He took it. 
He took courage. Persistence. Robert Fulton that made the steamboat as there was hundreds of people lining the river on the banks and they was going to watch as this is the first ever steamboat ever in existence. And one guy on the side saying, you never get that thing to go. We well, got it going. And there it was, it was chugging right on down the river. The same guy, you never get that thing to stop. <laughs> and unfortunately, there are going to be people like that in your life. The devil will see to it. But it's your job to continue on. You need to know your purpose and don't live your life like Mr. Magoo. To where you never know where you're going, never know what you're doing. John Maxwell said the difference between average people and achieving people is their view of failure because everybody fails. Everybody fails. Henry Ford, the very first Ford car he made, he forgot to put a reverse in it. See, everybody makes mistakes. The difference between an average person and an achieving person is their view of failure. The Bible says that the righteous man falls down seven times, but he arises again. He gets back up again. Falling down and staying down, that's a quitter. Falling down and getting back up and continuing on, that's what Jesus is looking for. Proverbs 19, many are the plans of a man's life, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. If you want the blessing of God in your life, lose yourself in something greater than yourself. That's why so many people, whether it's in Hollywood or New York or wherever, are so unhappy because their life is all about them. And I think that breeds unhappiness. Bob Bartlett, who was paid by the San Diego Zoo a hefty sum every year to travel to Africa and get exotic birds. And he, as he had captured these birds, they're on the boat, the steam liner with him as they are heading back to America. And as he had got his paper and he was on top side of the boat and he was enjoying the view and he was about ready to read his paper and he noticed and before he could react, it had already happened. When they had fed the birds, one of the people that had done the feeding had forgot to latch the latch on the door of one of those cages. And he said before he could get up and, 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 and latch it back, that bird got right on out, flew right on back, and flying right back to Africa. And he called for uh, purser, and the man came, and, and he ordered uh, steak and something, and potatoes and things to eat and drink, and, and said he'd be right there on top side waiting for it. And, and 15 minutes later, they brought everything back, and he ate. Every now and then, he'd take his binoculars, and he'd look back toward Africa. And he'd read his paper, and every now and then he'd look back toward Africa. And finally, he saw a speck. And he'd read the paper a little bit more, and then he'd look again. And now that speck is getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger until finally that bird 
flew over the ship and just landed with a thud on the top side of that ship. And Bob Bartlett walked over and picked that little bird up with no resistance from the bird whatsoever. And he said its heart was beating so fast. And he thought, within the little tiny brain of this bird, he knew that he had flew about as far as he could fly and Africa still wasn't in sight. And he had to turn around and get to that boat. A bird with a bird-sized brain could figure that out. And yet there are so many people that can't figure out they need Jesus in their life to get to heaven. They're doing their own thing, going their own way, but they need to turn around and go to the one that can forgive them and save them and carry them on all the way to the end. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, on this communion Sunday, it is imperative, I feel, for every Christian to do is just as your word says, to examine ourselves. Your word says to examine ourselves to see if we're of the faith, to examine ourselves. And God, it's, there may be people here this morning, I'm, ne I'm never going to assume different. There may be people here this morning in a crowd this size that they don't know you as Savior. They've never asked you in their, in their heart. They've never asked you to forgive them of their sins. But Lord, today might be a great day for that. According to your word, today is the day for that. Today is the day. Now is the accepted time. So as you speak to each individual, those that are Christian, they need to take a few moments and do some introspection in their life before they take communion. And Lord, speak to those that perhaps this morning they're not saved. They've never asked Jesus to be Savior. Speak to them and knock on their heart. Speak to their heart. And let them respond openly to you. In the wonderful name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Come on, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and directs you, you need to respond. You need to respond. Come on. I'm out of sadness wherever you've Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't give. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't give. So lay down your burdens. Oh, 
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.